Our Three Cents is part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. For more information, please go to greenlitpodcasts.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Three Cents, a podcast celebrating the very finest video games. I am Jonathan Dunn and I'm joined by my childhood friend Chris Dow. Read the standing orders. And my adulthood friend Minty Booth. Like a couple of puppies fighting in a sack. And we are discussing our all-time top 100 favourite video games. Yeah, boy. Announcement. Announcement. Right here at the top of the episode, we'd like to draw your attention to some of the other ways you can engage with us. First of all, we have our YouTube channel. If you go to YouTube, search for Our Three Cents, you'll find our channel. And on there, you can find our videos, including the brand new video series that we're producing called Inky Dunk, which, in case you didn't know, stands for In Case You Did Unt. No. <laughs> and it is a video series where we are celebrating the Binding of Isaac Afterbirth Plus. I've been doing fairly regular runs on the game and have been recording them and tried to narrate them, talking through my thought process when I'm attempting a run. And the aim that you'll hear something that might be useful for your own runs. I'm not an expert. I'm not absolutely outstanding at the game. But it just goes to show that you don't need a full encyclopedic knowledge of the game in order to actually enjoy it. So hopefully these are being beneficial. If you check them out, please do like them and subscribe to the channel. That would be huge. And I do believe that there are going to be some additional episodes being added by one Mr. Booth coming very soon. So do stay tuned. I can't wait to do more. It's great. These episodes that I'll be uploading will prove that even if you do have an encyclopedic knowledge, you're still not going to be that good at it, guaranteed. (laughs) (laughs) We also have a Patreon page. For those of you who are looking to get more out of the podcast or just support us a bit more than you're already doing just by listening to the podcast, then you can go to patreon.com slash our3cents. There you can find loads of perks available in exchange for some pennies of your support, including now exclusive extra Inky Dunk content just for you Binding of Isaac loving fans out there that just want more of it. But there's also deleted scenes, full bonus episodes, custom artwork and access to the Our Three Cents Patreon exclusive Discord channel. So do please check that out. So, this week, we are breaching the number nines. Numero nine. And we're starting with Chris Dow's number nine game, and I can't wait. I absolutely can't wait to hear what your ninth favourite video game of all time is, but I'm going to have to, because as a point of order, which I can establish because the meeting has started, (laughs) we have got to return to the quiz. (laughs) Oh, Oh, yeah. Is it level at the moment? The score is 46 all, which is just mental. I hate the sound of it. Well, I love it. (laughs) I live for this tension. Just Just to set you on edge before I set you on your way for the week. I'm ready. Quiz. does MAME mean to you? M-A-M-E. Is it A, arcade? B, a gaming convention? C, a text-based game variant? Or D, tearing opponents limb from limb? A. Oh, it's B. The correct answer is A, arcade. Yes, well done, Chris. Yeah. Do you want to know what it stands for? Oh, more than anything in the world, Ron. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's multi multi arcade machine emulator, and it runs a variety of different um, arcade boards and emulation of. There we go. Yes, it's the emulation that got that gets uh, Billy Mitchell in heaps of trouble because it he's is a dirty, no good, rotten cheat. Don't sue us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's uh, hot on the litigation poker, isn't he? You know what? Those two pieces of uh, information certainly warrant a bonus point for each of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> great. meaningful before we dive into our discussion on what we've been playing this week it is time to take another listener question and this week we have patreon subscriber gene sullivan holdcroft limbrick asking (laughs) how do you find the time and headspace to play so many games for me i have a long answer and a short answer 
The short answer is, I'm self-employed. <laughs> <laughs> the slightly longer answer is that I love video games and I also have a very supportive wife who recognises my hobbies as valid pastimes, not just a waste of time. And also she has been incredibly supportive of my trying to bring gaming into what I'm doing professionally with developing podcasts, creating video content, pursuing other avenues as well. Like it's easy to look at any kind of hobby as just a waste of time and particularly easy to do that with video games because you know you're not creating something tangible like you are with say, you know, arts and crafts or playing music. But the general attitude towards gaming, as the industry has been blowing up exponentially over the last decade, is that it has become a more socially acceptable thing to invest your time into. The sad thing is that this realisation probably came when people started realising how much money was wrapped up in the industry. But for me, I, I just, I love, I love games. I love games. And I know I can't fit all the things I want to do in a day around my work, my family, and, you know, the other things I want to get done. So... I prioritise. I, I grab snippets of time around other things. That's where the, the Switch is so good to pick up and play and yeah. I'll carve out the time to do these things. I think in terms of like clearing the headspace, like many people who may read a book in bed, after a few sentences, you're, you're right back in that world. And games are great escapism too. And, and it doesn't take long for me to, you know, to sort of just get back into the headspace to enjoy what I'm doing, slowly chip away progress at all these games that I want to play. Like I said, it's just making that choice. It's going, actually, I want to do this more than I want to do other things that are, are, you know, are the other options to do in my free time. And that's it, really. How about you guys, Chris? I think generally I still don't have as much time to play games as I would like to. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, 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 like, like you've just said, I fill a lot of my free time with video games, but I always wish there could be a bit more. Like the, the last year is definitely an exception for me and probably lots of people because just how much time has been taken up with homeworking for a lot of industries. And because of that, I've played more games in the last year than I have done for, for quite some time, just because it's become the reward for sitting at my laptop working. Yeah. So, you know, I, I do a bit of work and then I, I play half an hour of a game and it just kind of like keeps me focused throughout the day. Whereas if I just had to stare at a laptop screen for five solid hours, just in terms of you know, selling lessons and things for my, for my school, whatever else. It just is too much. And, and having that as a reward has, has been really nice. And equally, because we can't go out and do kind of the fun social stuff that we might do normally, that's kind of taken that space as well. But I think overall, the, the key to my gaming approach, I guess, over the last few years has been firstly to play shorter games. I've, I've really kind of taken to a lot of shorter experiences in, in that time. And two, that I'm not always beholden to seeing a longer game through to the end if I don't feel like I'm enjoying it fully yeah and you know it's it's not a big surprise given what I've talked about since we've started this podcast the last few years that I like weird short games you know I, I often bring up stuff that's not necessarily big mainstream titles but that I've found and, and enjoyed but you know things like going back to a game like Portal you know it's, it's a gimmick that's done properly it's wrapped up in three hours it doesn't outstay its welcome and that kind of experience is, is what I enjoy the most I think something that's a little bit different that is enough to kind of engage you for an evening or two but then after that it can just sit in the back of your mind because the actual campaign or whatever is is done bigger games though I, I rarely finish if I'm honest and and this includes lots of games that I've started since we've been doing this show that I've really enjoyed but just got to a point where I'm like okay, I'm, I'm seven, eight, nine, ten hours in. I'm looking at this knowing there are 20, 30, 40 <laughs> hours left yeah. and I, I just can't keep up the motivation for it. And that includes things like Pokemon Let's Go when that came out. I was having a great time and then it just got to a wall. Yeah. Like I hit a point where I just thought, I can't be bothered. Like I, I've got what, I've, what I wanted out of it. Smash Bros Ultimate, obviously a ludicrously large game anyway. I did a good chunk of the World of Light and then it was like, I think I can put this down for now. I, th I think I'm good for the moment. Even like Nino Kuni, when I went back to play the remastered version before I talked about it on the show, I had wanted to get through the whole thing. I played quite a chunk and then just sort of fell away and thought I've had the experience I wanted and that, that was good enough. So yeah, I think I've become a jack of all gaming trades <laughs> and, and a master of almost none. Yeah, <laughs> Like it really is. I, I'm not good at games, but I do enjoy them enough that I want to just sample a full platter. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. I think I uh, one of the things you said was about not being beholden to finishing games, and I yeah, 
that's something that's really helped me as well is not feeling the need to 100% everything even though I will often, even if I'm not particularly enjoying a game, I probably will see, unless I really hate it and you know actively not enjoying it, obviously I'm not going to put more time into it than I want, but if it's a game that I'm having a decent time playing, I will see at least the main story through to the end. And then if I'm really, really yeah. enjoying it, I'll happily go back and mop up all the extras and, and all of that sort of stuff. You know, most of the time I have to go, yep, cool, game's done. And then... And often me trading it in is a way of sort of stopping my my OCD from, from drawing me back in to do everything. How about you, Minty? It's on record that I'm a man who enjoys a, a lovely, big, sprawling, months-long JRPG. Famously. Hmm. The good thing about uh, JRPGs is they're about 90% cutscene, <laughs> and because it's turn-based combat, you can pretty much play with one hand because it's it's less about your uh, digital dexterity and more about just putting a little bit of thought into oh i'm going to attack this thing with the sword this thing i'm going to hit with a fireball that sort of thing this is all stuff that can be done in your own time and on your terms so i can enjoy this as i'm doing a little bit of paperwork that i've i've brought home from work or as I'm uh, as I'm doing an online class or some such thing as that, you've also got the L equals A function in Pokemon. Oh yeah, which turns uh, turns the left shoulder button into the A button, so that you can actually literally play the whole thing one handed. It's that kind of innovation that makes me feel a little less guilty about sinking maybe ten hours a night into <laughs> a massive sprawling fantasy world. <laughs> And then, of course, on the flip side, there are just, like Chris said, the little uh, the little bite-sized, little nuggets of games that you can just pick up and do in between tasks. Maybe a couple of levels on, on Grindstone, for example, maybe. Oh, yeah. yeah. A run on I- Binding of Isaac here and there. I think it's just finding the balance and then, like you said, Jonathan, realising that video gaming isn't just a time sink. It's, 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 it's a marvellous and entertaining experience that you can enjoy guilt-free. Absolutely. Lovely. Well, there you go. Hopefully that answers your question, Gene. If anybody else has a question that they'd like answered uh, on the show, then please do get in touch with us via our social media channels. So, what have we been playing this week? I'm going to kick this off because I've had a big week. So, it goes without saying, I've played a lot of The Binding of Isaac, which you'll see on our YouTube channel. And that has been a huge amount of fun. It's been great for me to verbalise my mindset which has really helped me figure out what I'm doing wrong, what holes there are in my approaches and my strategies. In between recording runs, I've also been bashing through uh, the challenges and other bits and bobs to unlock more items and, and, and stuff like that. Stuff that, to be honest, just I don't think is going to be very fun to watch, especially the challenges. I did think about streaming some, but when I started doing them, I realised they're designed to make you have a hard time and make you go slow. And I just, there's not really much you can do in terms of strategy other than the obvious things in them because they're they're so restrictive in what they make you start out with but i have been enjoying doing that and that's been great and i i can't wait to, to keep doing stuff and i can't wait to see minty's runs as well so i can learn hopefully learn more from that and then in in turn put more into mine and blah 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 and we'll all just become incredible i also finished off the messenger which was absolutely brilliant absolutely brilliant game i started my way through the dlc now which is is also great Although the first boss took me so long to beat, I almost gave up, but I have beaten him now, so I'm looking forward to seeing what's past that. I also played through Paratopic, the game that you spoke about the other oh, week, yeah. Chris, the yeah. sort of 32-bit style David Lynch interactive narrative Thing. weird experience. <laughs> I quite enjoyed it. It was all right. It was it was on sale, so it was only a couple quid. Yeah. I enjoyed a lot of it and I loved the atmosphere. I loved the weirdness. I loved the the the, uh, the art style. It was fantastically realised. But there are some very, very lengthy sections which just have you driving along a road where a couple of little weird things happen, but not really enough for me to warrant their place being there. Yeah. The game, it took me about 40 minutes to play through the whole game. And I reckon half of that time was 
just sat in a car doing nothing. Easily, easily. And it's a, it's a shame because I would have liked to have jumped back in again, played through it, see what I've missed, look for some of the... Because uh, it gives you like a big board of unlockables of things you can sort of discover in the game to sort of check off. And I was like, oh, I'd like to kind of explore that. But the, the thought of having to sit through those those <laughs> long car rides again just made me go, ah, that's fine, that's fine, I've done that. Now. I think a game like that, if the game was three or four hours, say, having those sort of moments of downtime would be fine. But it's like you say, it's it's just the wrong balance. You know, if you put it all on scales, it's like yeah. the game on one side should not be the same as the non-game. No. It's it's like you need a bit more happening to justify having those quiet moments in between. Yeah. And then they could have been really effective, but, you know, the framework of the wider game didn't really allow that. I also picked up Blue Fire, which has come out this last week, which is the 3D platformer on the Switch that is sort of a cross between Zelda and Dark Souls. Now, I actually mentioned this as one of the games I was looking forward to this year in our 2020 Roundup special. And, I mean, it's it's like somebody made the game for me. It is a mix (laughs) of Zelda and Dark Souls. And with a lot of elements of Hollow Knight in there, it plays very much like... 3d version of hollow knight and my heart is aching because of how much i love it <laughs> but i'm i'm gonna save my full thoughts on that for for next week after I, well hopefully i'm gonna try and complete it before next week but mainly because my big news from the last couple of weeks is that i finally got a ps5 oh don't make me jealous great <laughs> you need to temper what you say here no nope. gird your loins because what you're about to get is a thousand words oh. of hard injected envy <laughs> Obviously, I've been having a brilliant time with it. So let's start at the beginning. And that's with the game that is bundled in with the console, Sony's own 3D platforming game, Astro's Playroom, which, Chris, I know you said was the only thing currently tempting you to get the console. Yeah. And I can honestly say that it's worth getting the console just to play this game. It is gorgeous. (laughs) Don't don't tell me that. (laughs) It is. It is. I'm sorry, but it is. It's a wonderful love letter to the history of the PlayStation. It's almost like an interactive museum. It's also a thorough tech demo for the new controller, all intertwined with a superb 3D platformer that is just a huge amount of fun. The way that you control Astrobot, because he's got this little jetpack and you can also point and fire things as well, basically feels like Super Mario Sunshine, which is really nice. Oh, wow. There's loads of gorgeously realised Easter eggs scattered throughout the game as well. You can access secret areas and unlock artefacts, which will be pieces of PlayStation hardware from the different generations. And that's amazing. There's also, if you just keep your eyes open, you can see... I mean, there's loads of robots everywhere. Other little robots just just sat about and doing, doing stuff. But there's some that are specifically acting out scenes from other PlayStation games just dotted around the levels. It was a wonderful moment when I realised what they were doing. And it's so much fun just to sort of keep an eye out for them, try and work out what they're doing. Like there was this this robot with like a big red mark down his face in a canoe with like a smaller robot, which is representing God of War. Okay. Or there's like a robot lying dead on the floor with a piece of origami laying on him, which is a reference to heavy rain. It's just loads and it's also a great tech demo for the new controller. Like within the first few minutes, it's shown you how the HD rumble works, which is, I mean, as good as the Switch in terms of, we've cited it a few times, which is mad that we've spoken about 1-2 Switch as much as we have on the podcast, certainly recently. It's dog shit. It's just, it's just for that one ball count game. Yeah. Exactly. It basically has its own version of that, where it shows you on the screen, like loads of little robots falling into the controller, then has you shake the controller and you can feel them all like rattling around inside. And it's, oh, it's wonderful. And also it shows you how the adaptive triggers work, which is, I mean, I must say a lot, lot more effective than I thought it would be. Yeah. It's it's not showy at all. It just brilliantly supports the gameplay, which is obviously down to how well it's been programmed to work in this game. And I'm sure there'll be other games where it is just really tacked on and, and hacky. I've, I've seen it work really well in, in some of the other games I've played as well, like especially FIFA, where in the game you hold down a shoulder button to sprint. But the more tired the player gets, the more resistance the trigger gives you. And it's such a subtle thing that you find yourself just being that much more in tune with your players without even thinking about it. And if you're having a physically hard time running with the ball, you, you've then got that instinct to pass the ball or play it to someone else without having to look at the stamina gauge or, or weigh it up for too long or just you know risk it because you're on a good run. It's, it's so, so, so clever. 
And it's really nice the way it works where in Astro's Playroom, where you unlock different sort of like mech suits that you sort of dress yourself up in and they'll work in different ways. And then, yeah, the, the triggers will adapt to sort of how they work. So you might feel it like clicking more or just be more of a fluid thing or just a bit of resistance here or resistance there. It's just, yeah, it's lovely. It is, I mean, it's a beautiful little package. One that, to be honest, I wouldn't have played if it wasn't free, but having played it, I would happily pay 20, 30 quid for it. Yeah. It's just brilliant. Oh. I know. I'm sorry, Chris. I am <laughs> I am really sorry because I know that that's not what you wanted no, to hear. You not. wanted me to say, uh, you know what? All the stuff is just gimmicks and it doesn't really make that much difference. Just stick with your PlayStation 4, mate. <laughs> but... I, I can hold off. I can do it. I've got some willpower. Just a, a little smidgen. The main game I was excited to play was, of course, Bluepoint's stunning Demon Souls remake, which, I've, yeah, I've put a fair few hours into. It looks and plays so beautifully. It's just fluid, 4K, 60 frames per second, beautiful animation, stunning environments, obviously amazing design. Lighting is just, oh, it's gorgeous. And, yeah, the loading times are so fast. Like, I didn't realise how used to long loading times I'd gotten so many times when playing Demon Souls... I'd like just put my controller down, ready to absentmindedly stretch my hands or check my phone and then find myself straight back into the action again. It would, it would really catch me off guard. It's just, it's astonishing and, and it almost doesn't feel right. Like I'm just sort of skirting around a long loading time, hiding around the corner or something. But but that, that it never comes. It's wonderful. It's like it's like it happens. It's too easy. Something must be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's such a strange feeling. You must have had that when, like, say you load up a game or you load up something that you think that's loaded up too quick. Yeah, it must, it must be broken. Obviously, it hasn't got like all of its assets loaded or something. Something must be something must be wrong, but it's not. And I mean, yeah, I'm so excited to put more time into it and learn about the world. It's just so tantalising. The law. The, oh, they're just. The... <laughs> Unfortunately, because it's a game that you can't really pause, it's not really like a pick up and play game, which doesn't quite suit my lifestyle of looking after my tiny little daughter and, you know, sort of picking up in between rendering times when I'm working and, and exporting and uploading things where I would normally be able to grab like five, ten minutes of play on something else. So I've not quite been able to carve out time for a big session on it uh, yet, but I'm sure I'll find my way <laughs> in time. And I'm happy not to rush this experience as well because it is brilliant. And it's also the currently the last Souls game I'll play for the first time until Elden Ring comes out at least, which... I mean, it's very optimistic to think that'll be this year. So, you know, I'm fine with making it last. But the main game <laughs> I've ended up putting most time into, the main, 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 main game, is Spider-Man Remastered, which I got bundled in as part of the Spider-Man Miles Morales Ultimate Edition. And, I mean, the price of that edition, which, I mean, it was only about 50, I think it was 50 quid, that price is justified for just having the original remastered game, because it is fantastic and i can't believe it's taken me this long to play it because it is just so much fun like the mechanics in the game to allow you to swing and and flip and jump and crawl and climb and fly and glide around new york is nothing short of extraordinary new york. you do feel like a superhero the game balances the ai of your movement with your control inputs just well enough that you feel like you're pulling off all of this crazy movement stuff when Obviously, you're really being helped along it with with some incredible AI, but it it assists just enough so that you feel empowered by it rather than you know patronised by it. There have been times when I've been swinging through at like such fast speed, and I think, oh god, I'm going to crash into that water tower or something. But they've got programmed in just a bit of animation just to have Spidey just sort of curl up and flip through the structure of of, of the water tower and keep going. The fighting mechanics as well. Great fun. Lots of crafting, upgrades, skill tree stuff to develop. Stories great, featuring like all of the classic characters. There's great writing, good set pieces. But to be honest, I, I just enjoy swinging around New York <laughs> and exploring all of the nooks and crannies, you know, finding all of the secrets, taking photos of the landmarks, taking down various crime spots, finding, finding some guys lost pigeons. And the PS5 remastered version looks 
unbelievable. Like the lighting and shadows and ray tracing whilst also running at 60 frames per second. It does look just like the movies, especially given how fast you're moving as well. But it, like, it always surprises me. Every time you stop somewhere or you slow down to investigate something, I'm expecting the cracks to show in like the resolutions or the animations or how your movement might be stilted going from moving so, so fast to walking normally around. But it all just moves so fluidly with no pop-in of the environments or anything. Like I, I genuinely do not know how they've done it, but it is amazing. Even without the extra technical coat of gloss on the game, it's still a brilliant time. So if you have got a PS4, I, I'd still highly recommend uh, checking out the original release of it if you're joining the party just as late as I am. I've also got a few other games lined up to play, which I haven't had a chance to uh, to try yet. Immortals Phoenix Rising, after JP's recommendation of it last week. And I thought it would be a nice way to envisage what Breath of the Wild would look like running on a Switch Pro, if we're ever to get one of those. I also picked up Assassin's Creed Valhalla and Sackboy Adventures, which is essentially the 3D evolution of the Little Big Planet series, which was fantastically inventive and creative. And it was just, you know, a great platform experience. And I've heard that Sackboy Adventures plays as smoothly as Mario Odyssey. No, surely not. I'll let you know. I'm very much looking forward to giving it a go anyway. And I'll keep you updated with all of this as the weeks go on. How about you, Chris? What have you played this week? I have spent the last week and a half under a proper house arrest due to being around a positive COVID case. Now, fortunately, I I haven't had any symptoms. I've had two negative tests, but it has meant that I have spent a lot of time indoors more than normal because alongside home working, I couldn't even like walk to the shops or or go for a wander around the neighborhood in the evening because you're just barred. The NHS call you every few days to make sure you're following the rules and staying inside. So yeah, it's, it's been a slow few weeks, but it has meant that I have had a lot of time to play games. And contrary <laughs> to what I said at the start of the episode about not playing big games, I've now put in probably a collective 50 odd hours across The Binding of Isaac. As you mentioned, it's kind of on everyone's mind at the moment and The Outer Worlds. Ah. Now, coming back to The Binding of Isaac first, after, for me, a really long time away, it has been super fun. And I was inspired to play it originally when you brought it up for your episode, Jonathan, when it was your number 10. And you talking about it kind of as excitedly as you did on that show, it made me really realise that I didn't know at least 50% of the things you were talking about. <laughs> and and for me, I was thinking like, I've played, I've, for me, I've played a lot of this series and I just wanted to get better. I, I wanted to have some of that experience that both you and Minty talked about really eloquently on your episodes. Because for me, I was really bigging it up as in like, oh, it's a game I love, but clearly I'm bad at it and I know nothing about it. <laughs> so I've, I've really tried. Like I started a new save. I, I bought it on Steam this time. So it's it's become the game I'm essentially, as I mentioned, doing in between work. So I'll have some meetings in the morning, then I'll I'll do a run or I'll, I'll finish kind of my feedback for my lessons for the afternoon and then I'll, I'll do a couple runs. And it's been really, really nice, not only to pick it up myself and, and start to, you know, find my way through the game. But watching your Inky Dunk videos on our YouTube has been so valuable. Oh, because good. The, the, the thing that I've never had, I think, like obviously when you started playing this game, you had Minty already playing it. Yes. And you sort of were able to, you know, absorb some of that information almost by osmosis. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you, you pick up the, the kind of the ins and outs and, and why you should do this over that and whatever else. And yet for me, I, I played it on Steam, the original Flash release years ago. Uh, I played it on the PlayStation when it first got ported for the, the Rebirth version. And then obviously bought it on the Switch, the, the Afterbirth Plus version. And I just never knew what I was doing. <laughs> it's like I knew I was meant to kill the things in a room and I was going down the floors each time. But I couldn't have told you up until this week, essentially, why one item was better than another or <laughs> why I should be considering looking for this certain item before something else or why I should be prioritizing finding marked rocks or, or keys or bombs or, or coins or whatever. And it's it's just been a real, real joy to get back into it. But this time starting to actually close out runs and make a little bit of progress. So yeah, it's it's a game, like I've said, I've always been pretty shocking at. And I always felt like a bit of a fraud trying to sell it when I <laughs> brought it up on my episode, because it was essentially saying, this is a game I love, but I don't know anything about it. It's like, I've, I've seen it. I've seen it. It's all right, I think. But yeah, to actually play it properly has been great. Good. I'm really glad. The Outer Worlds, on the other hand, was a total left field choice for me. 
I rarely play big games, as I said. I've never played a Fallout or an Elder Scrolls game for more than an hour. That sort of prong of of RPGs, I've just never put any time into. And yet, I'm probably 20 or so hours deep in in Outer Worlds now. That's like 100 hours in in the normal people time. (laughs) I know, and I'm I'm really loving it. Really, really loving it. And bizarrely as well i've mentioned this in our in our kind of discord server i'm playing the technically impressive but still ropey as fuck switch version (laughs) and yeah i'm I'm still absolutely loving it it's not a fast-paced game most of your time is spent raiding bins and talking to npcs and whatever else and this slower approach works really well on the console regardless if it can hold a decent frame rate yeah and you know, there's there's first person combat, so it's a bit more hands on than Fallout because it doesn't have the VAT system that I know that does. But you can still slow down time to target weak spots. You can still command your crew to attack enemies for you. You can make use of the generous auto aim and lock on. Nice. Uh, you can even you can even use gyro aiming on the switch as well to make things a little bit smoother and give you a bit more control. And I I've just had a great time with it. I'm I'm really surprised how much I've enjoyed it despite the fact, like I say, it doesn't look great. It doesn't run that great. And it's not my usual type of game. I've been playing it on the big TV whilst Georgia sits playing The Sims. I I play it handheld when we're watching sort of nothing shows on Netflix. I play little bits in bed. And again, this, this comes back to what I've said about the Switch time and time again, that the Switch may not be the place to play a game like this from a technical point of view. Yet in execution, it's the perfect place to play it because the console is just so versatile and you know if you're the type of person that wants something to look good get it on the xbox get it on the playstation get it on the pc play it anywhere else and you're going to have probably a better time but don't discount the switch port because in function it is the same game you know the storylines are the same the the characters are the same everything you're doing is the same and yeah it's it's highly recommended from me my top tip if you're going into this game cold as i said i haven't played any fallout games really I, i haven't played any elder scrolls games do think about your actions when you go into a game like this. <laughs> like, I know Obsidian, the developers, are famous for this sort of thing. They did New Vegas before. It is a game based around moral quandaries. But in the first two hours of playing, not sort of realizing the weight of the things you were doing, I made a decision with such wide ramifications that I just had to quit and restart my whole game <laughs> because as I realized what was going on and what I'd done to some of these characters I, I just couldn't live with myself it was like I can't, I can't just coast by on this sort of flippant behavior so I've, I've just consigned like a whole village to death over the back of nothing so yeah I, I restarted I rethought my actions and I sort of specced my character to to support some of those decisions and yeah 20 hours in I'm, I'm really enjoying it the the DLC for the switch comes out next week and I'll probably buy it. And again, I wouldn't normally do that for this sort of game. So yeah, highly recommended. Good. I'm really glad. It's interesting what you're saying about how the Switch being the perfect place for it, because it's basically the same experience I had with The Witcher 3, which was at that time, I wouldn't have put any time into it if I'd have bought it on a console or on PC. But having it in pick up and play setup with my Switch, that was a way of me playing the game. And yeah, obviously it looked a lot, a lot poorer. It was lacking a lot of things. But also, essentially, the game was exactly the same, and the the sacrifices that the uh, that they made in sort of porting it onto the Switch were so that the game could run fairly smoothly. Yeah, uh, yeah. and that was enough, and that was enough for me to have a great time with it. And at some point, when they released the PlayStation Five patch for The Witcher Three, which apparently is being developed, although I'm sure they're probably busy finishing Cyberpunk, <laughs> <laughs> then uh, then I'll, I'll probably pick it up and play it play through it on the PlayStation Five because I imagine the technical leap going from the switch version to the playstation 5 version will uh will make my eyes whip <laughs> it'll be about 20 times the resolution won't it at times it will be yeah <laughs> like on on handheld the witcher 3 runs at about 300p doesn't it so if, if you're yeah. scaling that to 4k that's that's a tremendous leap it's like if you had like an old crt tv in the far corner of your room <laughs> and you instead of wearing your glasses you were wearing Vaseline. Vaseline rims. But I still, I still had a great time with it. That's the thing. How about you, Minty? What have you played this week? Have you bound a few Isaacs? Uh, a couple, yes, yes. After hearing you talk about it a few weeks ago, last week, delete is appropriate, <laughs> I, I thought, oh, do you know what? The final expansion's coming out soon. Let's get it again and um, re-familiarise ourselves with it so that we're ready for what will no doubt be... Uh, 
a little bit of a difficulty spike with all the new stuff they add. I, I have nothing to add to what uh, you, you both said about it. It's like riding a bike. I'm not very good at riding a bike, but I still know how to do it. <laughs> and that's how I feel about playing Isaac. I lost all my save data, which I was pretty cheesed about. But um, no, it's been nice. Uh, when you when you nail a run, especially at the beginning of the game, just the, the sheer amount of unlocks you get, it does make you feel good, doesn't it? Even though half of them are Ooh, just yeah. challenges. Like, oh, uh, you've unlocked, you've it's unlocked, fantastic. you've unlocked. Oh, can't get enough. I have enjoyed, because I've been playing it on Steam, all of those unlocks come up as Steam achievements as well, which I've, I've never really been a person to chase. But it's just like an added bit of dopamine every time. Yeah. <laughs> so when, when I have beat a game, it's, it's not only obviously flashing up on screen, this is now in the basement, this challenge is now available, but suddenly my profile has like 30 new achievements appended to it. Yeah. Because I think Binding of Isaac on Steam has about 550 achievements. That doesn't surprise me. It wouldn't be allowed on console. So I ne- I've never had this sort of experience on, on any sort of games platform. But yeah, it's, it's been great. It's a great game. So what are we here for? I'll tell you what we're here for. We are here to hear Chris's ninth favourite video game of all time. Are we? Over to you, Chris. Now, rumour has it that long before directing Tetris Effect, (laughs) Tetsuya Mitsugushi approached the Tetris company and said, I can make a pretty cool version of Tetris that reacts to and relies on music to play. (laughs) But at the time, the Tetris company said, that sounds really great, except the license is currently with EA or Ubisoft or Nintendo or whoever, because they've always been quite specific about who is allowed to make a Tetris game at any time and therefore he was not allowed but at the same time fortuitously Sony were courting developers with the PlayStation Portable the PSP you know the monster handheld that despite being trounced at market by the DS still sold over 80 million units Jesus. you know it's, it's, it's always considered the second place handheld but it still sold better than every platform ever pretty much <laughs> second place is still a hunk of silver yeah exactly But at the time, obviously with the PSP doing the rounds, Mitsugushi looked at the multimedia capabilities of that console and said, okay, well, if I can't make Tetris, I'll just make my own Tetris. And there, Luminez, my ninth favourite game of all time, that Jonathan has predicted in 50 different WhatsApp messages this week, (laughs) was born. (laughs) I just had a hunch. I, I literally, I had nothing more than just a hunch. You were bang on. Despite all this Tetris talk, Luminez is not Tetris, but it is a falling block game. And... It is a falling block game that operates completely differently to Tetris. And I think it's this kind of almost familiarity which makes this game so hard to learn for newcomers. But then when you do get a grip on it, it becomes such a joy to master. So the basic premise for anyone that's never played Luminez, instead of shaped tetraminos like you have in Tetris, blocks fall down as little quads made up of four pieces. The quads are made of two colours only. So it could be a full quad of colour A or colour B. It could be a mix, which might be, say, three of one or one of the other and maybe half and half, or perhaps even awkwardly alternating like color A, B on the top row and B, A on the bottom. So there's a limited amount of, of, you know, combinations there can be with only two colors. When they get dropped down into the well, they sit there until you align them to make quads of the same color with other squares, which seems really straightforward. But when they're matched, they remain there until, and this is the biggest change from something like Tetris, a timeline bar has to sweep them away. Now, I mentioned at the beginning about a Tetris with music as as kind of the starting point for this game. And in Luminez, every stage is tied to a piece of music. At face value, that means that samples and effects connected to the song will trigger when you drop your pieces or you make matches. And it also means that the visual aesthetic of the stage and the colours of the blocks will change. But mechanically, this just means that the timeline bar may pass quickly if the song is fast-paced with a high tempo or slowly if it's more leisurely. And that's where Luminez starts to really open up. Now, if you're playing for the very first time, your focus is likely to be on just making matches first and foremost, and then getting annoyed that you have to wait for them to clear away. So loads of times, especially when I first started playing, you'll you'll top out the well, you'll fail again and again as you get used to kind of the rhythm of each stage being, being a different speed. But as well, just getting used to trying to organise the the stack of pieces to accommodate either the timeline going fast or or crawling along. And I'll be the first to admit that early on, I found this game just as brutal as everyone else. Like having a good knowledge of puzzle games like Tetris does very little in setting you up to play something that is this familiar yet this alien. In fact, I think it makes it much harder. But 
the more I persevered, the higher I'd get into the stage order each time. The more I started kind of gaming each level by either laying out my quads wide across the stage on a slow timeline to give me a bit more breathing room or in a bunched up stack in, in the middle, like quite centrally on a quick timeline, as I knew that any matches would, would go away quite quickly. Now, we've already mentioned our mutual friend Gene Limbrick today. He picked up this game at the same time as me, back when we were the, the PSP buddies at school. And we used to play quite a lot of versus mode. And I liked playing versus mode in Luminez because my, even at that stage, simple understanding of how to approach and work each stage meant that out of 100 matches, I probably won 99. <laughs> because for someone who was generally not very good at games, I was I was already getting better at Luminez. I'd put in enough time for it to start making sense. And yet, even at that stage, I was really quite bad at Luminez. And I think the biggest thing I like about this game and the, and the biggest thing which makes it stand out as something special is that, and I keep coming back to the same thing, it's, it's not Tetris. Tetris is a game about order, it's a game about immediacy and it's a game about speed of thought. And once you pick up the basics of Tetris, it's really easy to see what you're aiming to do. Like anyone can start playing and know within 30 seconds what they are trying to do, even if they can't quite put it into practice. Trying to make a stack that is nice and sturdy and as wholeless as possible. You want to try and leave a gap for a four long bar to drop into for maximum points. And then you're just trying to repeat. And the challenge always comes from how quickly you can manipulate the Tetramino you're given into an organized position and failing that, how quickly you can work around an error to sort of reorganize and, and find your rhythm again. Luminez, on the other hand, does not care about order whatsoever. And, and whether you play the game like Gene was early on, sort of making matches where you can and just riding out the timeline to the best of your ability, or like I was trying to do at the time by sort of spreading or bunching your drops to try and extend your play session, you, you're not going to get very far. Luminez instead is a game that is about pushing and squeezing and slamming pieces down as fast as possible between each timeline pass so you're maximizing your score you're keeping a combo going the the number of quads you're you're kind of clearing each bar is getting greater and greater and it's a game that you you have to learn how to split and manipulate each quad like each drop because no matter the makeup of it you need to be serving kind of your stack as functionally as possible you're not worrying about kind of the aesthetics of Tetris of making it look neat and ordered. You're just trying to get the points and get the score each time. When you see someone who is like a master of Tetris play, it is really satisfying because pieces fly across the well with precision. You see kind of like just back-to-back -back Tetris clears or, or T-spins connecting effortlessly. When played at high speeds, Tetris is just like a blur of drop, drop, clear, drop, 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 clear. And everything is measured and considered across every column and row. But watching Luminez when played by someone equally skilled is just a totally different thing because pieces are slamming into each other almost haphazardly. The, the player's fingers are sort of tripping over each other when you're trying to just get down one more quad as the timeline's starting to encroach on, on your mass of connected pieces. Sound effects are firing over one another to create just a total cacophony of sound. A couple of nights ago, I, I put on Luminez just to refresh my memory. And it's the first time across the whole of my relationship with Georgia that she asked me to stop playing because the, <laughs> the sound, when you're not keyed into what is happening on screen, just becomes like a meaningless atonal garble. And it's just like splashes and wails and buzzes and beefs and boobs. And I could see out of the corner of my eye, she was starting to get like a bit twitchy. And then after about <laughs> half an hour of my, my play, she was just like, do you want to, do you want to play something else? Or maybe, maybe put this one on mute. All this is to say is that to be good at one game like Tetris doesn't mean you'll be good at Luminez without a lot of work. But I think it's that challenge to, to kind of improve that made me want to play hours and hours of this game. And I played it across its original release on the PSP, just Luminez, and then its sequel, Luminez 2. I played Luminez Live on the Xbox 360. I played Luminez Supernova on the PlayStation 3. I played Luminez Electronic Symphony on the Vita. I played Luminez Puzzle and Music for the old iPhone. And then finally, most recently, I played Luminez Remastered on the Switch. And I'm at a stage now that if I start an endless run on Luminez Remastered, a game can easily last upwards of two or three hours. Bloody hell. <laughs> and yet, as laboured as that might sound on paper to play a puzzle game for hours at a time, it's a constant thrill without any downtime. Because even the slower pace stages that you might think kind of encourage you to take a breather they're the ones that conversely you need to be just crushing together 20 or 30 quads every time to keep keep your combo going as the timeline's you know dragging itself across really slowly it's a game about never ever letting up and and that's the biggest difference to all the puzzle games i think that it's a proper sort of ride the lightning adventure every time you stick it on when you know what you're doing it is 
as I've said, a game with an incredibly high barrier to entry, I feel, but it has such an incredibly high skill ceiling. And, you know, I'm, I'm good at Tetris. You've both seen me play. I feel confident in saying that I'm, I'm pretty decent at Tetris, but Luminez is where my skills really shine. And for the first few months of the remastered release on the Switch, my endless score was in the top few hundred worldwide. Wow. Back when I was playing a lot of Electronic Symphony around the Vita's launch, I was placed similarly high on the global leaderboards then as well. I don't know why it connects in my brain so well, but it just did. Like there, there was a, a point in time where suddenly I wasn't having to think about what I was doing. I just knew what I needed to do. And that was a real like exciting point to get to with, with one kind of video game or one franchise. I just... I love the feeling of being able to find some order in chaos in this game. And to make the Tetris comparison for the last time, in Tetris, the speed may ramp up, but the game is always built around a very tightly controlled rule set. So you deal with things on a piece-by-piece basis. You make decisions on where that's going to go and where that's going to go. And you're trying to keep it as ordered as possible, even if the speed is ramping up. But Luminez is always about trying to wrestle the control of any moment and playing as quickly and as loosely as possible just to maximise your score at every turn. Like sometimes even the best players make the wrong call, but it's less about dwelling on those little mistakes like in Tetris, where a misplaced block can just be miserable. <laughs> like seeing a gap in a, in a stack in Tetris is is like upsetting sometimes if you've been on a really good run. But Luminous is just about going for broke and, and you're just trying to push your score and your combo as much as you can before the timeline sweeps across. And then that challenge just starts again. It's just never ending. Sometimes the sort of topology of your stack is going to be smooth. Other times it's going to be craggy and jagged, but neither of those is necessarily the right or wrong way to play. They're just different ways to play and and they just come naturally for for a standard game. You're going to kind of see this constant shift in, in what you're working with. It's just, it's a relentless game. And as I mentioned, over, over time, the more you play it, the more you start making unconscious decisions. So it just becomes instinct, just bomb, bomb, bomb. You're just slamming pieces down. I could go on about the nuances of, of scoring or combo chaining, but that would be really tedious. <laughs> I could talk about the the puzzle mode or mission mode or versus modes that repurpose basically all of the rule sets from the, the main game to be something very different. But instead, I'll, I'll tell you both, my captive audience, who I know are loving this deep dive into a puzzle game that you don't particularly care for, about what is probably the most distilled Luminez experience you can have. And that's the time attack mode. In this mode, you choose a time length. 60 seconds is the one to go for if you want a real quick hit, but it does go up to, I think, to about five minutes. And then you just go gangbusters to clear as many quads <laughs> as possible in the time given. It will be messy. You'll probably top out the well completely accidentally most times. But, oh my God, if it isn't the best way to experience the rush of a good Luminous <laughs> session in moments. Like, there's an achievement in the recent remaster for clearing 70 quads in 60 seconds. Jeez. And at first I thought, oh, that, that'd be tough. But I can hit 200 now with, without too much effort. Yeah, um, the world record, I think, is, is north of 300. Yeah. And it's that kind of obscene speed, that feeling of just playing not only beyond the limits of your own skill, but at the edges of the game itself. And, and that's what keeps me coming back to just this wonderful puzzle game. It's a game that takes a lot of time to get. I've said this again and again, but it becomes more and more enjoyable with every run you complete. And it's a proper feeling of like leveling up. Like I said, like your brain starts making unconscious choices and it's informed by stuff you've done before, but it it just becomes instinct. You just start playing with instinct. And I think puzzle games sort of tap into that part of your brain more than almost anything else. Because it is like non-verbal reasoning. You're, you're just working with the logic of what's on screen and just kind of playing as it comes. For this list, I've chosen the original Luminez. I think it's the purest distillation of what makes me love the series. The concept was there from day one. And all that's really changed over the years has been new skins or, or new songs and, and a greater reliance on licensed music rather than bespoke compositions. Luminez 2 is probably the entry I played the most but it's also the game in the series that used music by artists like the Black Eyed Peas and, and oh, Huber Stank. the BIP. And, <laughs> and I, I can't in good conscience say that having to listen to Will I Am was an improvement over the scattered sort of bespoke techno of the original. <laughs> I, I think for me personally, Electronic Symphony on the Vita probably had the best soundtrack overall. Like it was a good mix of game exclusive stuff as well as quite varied but licensed like niche electronica and dance so lots of artists i'd never heard of but that complemented the game really really well but no one has a vita no one cares about luminez and 
everyone has access generally to a Switch or a PlayStation or an Xbox or a PC. So these days, Luminous Remastered is on everything. It's often on sale. It's basically a one-to-one remake of the PSP original, and it is the place to go to play this game. Just remember, the key is perseverance. Like, really think about how each quad drops. Think about how each can be split to complement and expand an existing combo. When your pieces are cleared, think about what's actually been left behind. How has the timeline actually crossed across and what's it taken, what's it's left? The more you play, the sooner it's going to be your fingers doing the thinking. And it really does leave you in like an electronic bliss. It's a sublime game. Like I, I love playing Luminez. I just don't always have the two, three hours I need to get stuck in properly. <laughs> so yeah, number nine, a game that's definitely not on either of your lists, Luminez. I know I never played it until after we started the podcast, but I, th- I think I probably would have put it on. I really like it. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm shit at it, but <laughs> yeah, I, 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 yeah, I do like it. I, I obviously couldn't go into it as eloquently as you do, but yeah, it's just different enough from Tetris that it feels very fresh. And yeah, uh, it's it just it's just it's a cool puzzle game, isn't it? It's really cool. Oh, yeah. Is it more or less cool than F-Zero GX, Minty? which you described as the embodiment <laughs> of the word cool. Yeah, I think Luminez is the F-Zero GX of puzzle games. Oh, nice. tasty. What a quote. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it has the speed. It, it does have that kind of cool factor. I think you're spot on. Mm. <laughs> I think you've nailed it. I have never really got into it, but the way you kind of describe that that feeling after a good run sounds like how I feel after playing Tetris Effect. Yeah. I'd love to get into it. Like, I remember, like, the determination I had when I bought it on the eShop. I just thought, right, I've decided I'm going to get good at this. I'm just going to become a really good Luminez player. I can do it. But I, I just, yeah, I never got past that that kind of, um, like you said, that high bar to entry. But I would like to give it another go. And I would request that you make an Inky Dunk video about <laughs> Luminez. Oh, that's a good idea. Yes. Yeah. I think commentating as you go is probably not necessarily feasible <laughs> just because of the speed of thought. Yeah, yeah. But if you can record and then record your commentary and thoughts over the top, that might be a, a really, really helpful way to, for, for me to get, get into the game and uh, and then potentially other people as well. Yeah, I can do that, I think. I think when I've got some time to sit down and, and maybe give Georgia a rest. <laughs> if, if she's on a late shift, <laughs> I'll get some Luminous going. Excellent. I look forward to that. So there we have it. That is Chris's ninth favourite video game of all time. And it was... Luminez. If you've enjoyed this episode, or if indeed you've enjoyed any of our episodes, please do share the podcast on social media. You can reach out to us and engage in conversation with us. You can go to facebook.com slash our3cents to chat to us there. You can tell us what you thought of Luminez. You can tell us what games you're playing. You can even ask us questions that you might like us to answer in a future episode. And we'd also request that you submit to us your top 10 favourite video games of all time please do check out our YouTube channel and subscribe to it. Or you can take us to task individually. You can find me on Twitter at Jonathan Dunn. My house is at Chaz underscore Hodges. And I am at Clarence underscore Boo. And if you fancy getting even more out of us, then you can head over to patreon.com slash our3cents and subscribe to one of those pledging tiers to get just loads of extra stuff. And we'd love that. And we'd love to see you over on the Patreon exclusive Discord channel. And please do join us next week week where we should be having Minty's ninth favourite video game of all time over for dinner. Absolutely can't wait. Buzzing. And now a word from our sponsor. And now a word from our sponsor. And now a word from our sponsor. The award-winning Go Nintendo podcast is the best place to get the latest news on the world of Nintendo. We cover the biggest stories, share impressions of the latest games, and answer your burning questions. There's also some general pop culture talk, game music trivia, a heaping helping of silliness, and did I mention our sassy robot companion? I'm the star of the show. Catch new episodes of the Go Nintendo Podcast every Saturday on the Greenlit Podcast Network. Hey Chris, what's the War Rocket Ajax podcast about? Well Matt, if we were smart, it'd be about murders, but it's actually about comics. War Rocket Ajax, it's not about murders. But it is weekly on the Greenlit Podcast Network.